Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Baseball season, it comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Astro Line, presented by Carbach Brewing. We are right here live from Pluckers Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd Drive. Uh, fans know Pluckers is the official home of the Astro Line Show, and we're happy to be here. Todd Callis along with Steve Sparks. How you doing, Sparky? Great, TK. Great to be here with you. Uh, I cannot wait for baseball to begin. We are close. We're getting close. I think we're, we are getting close. Monday's February, so once you hit February, it's on, right? I think it is. You know, usually, I mean, that's the case, but everything's starting to point toward things to start on time, and I'm excited about that. So tonight, we have a couple of special guests. Two new Astros are going to join us, and uh, recorded interviews. We're going to hear from a former Astro, longtime catcher with Houston, and some guy uh, that was leaving town right when I was getting into town, so I don't know him as well, but Jason Castro returning to a Houston uniform. Yeah, I thought that was very savvy to, to put him together with Martin Maldonado. And, you know, as a former player, a former pitcher, there was always uh, one of your catchers that you would rather throw to and one that you would rather not throw to. And if you're starting or you're coming into the ball game and you were pitching to the one that you didn't like near as well, it was always, you know, it was kind of a downer. Yeah. You know, it, we're talking about major leaguers. But, man, the Astros, in the time that I've been here, this is our ninth year as, as uh, broadcasters with the Astros. I think for the first time they have the best tandem. And I think that any pitcher who comes into the ball game feels equally uh, – confident with, with the, the pitches that are selected mm -hmm. by that catcher uh, and, and just what they're, they're going to bring to the table. But Jason Castro, Martin Maldonado, I don't think you can get much better than that. Yeah, defensively the best combo uh, you've ever had with the Astros, yeah. and, as you mentioned. But, you know, certainly some offense with Brian McCann and Evan Gaddis in the 2017 no season. Question. Sure. But, but the defense didn't quite match up to where these guys are. We're going to talk more about Ryan Stanek in the next segment because that's the segment we're going to hear from uh, the new reliever for the Houston Astros coming over from the Miami Marlins. But before we get to Ryan, uh, some news this week in baseball. It was a big announcement uh, on Tuesday about the Hall of Fame. And uh, we were hoping for Billy Wagner to gain some votes, which he did. And we also found out there would be no new inductees in the 2021 Hall of Fame class. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, it doesn't surprise me that there wasn't a, uh, somebody to 
induct uh, with, the, with last year's class coming into this year. Kurt Schilling was 16 votes shy, I, I believe. And, mm-hmm. uh, but we did see some jumps with some other players. And I think that bodes well for Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, and Billy Wagner, who we spoke to a few weeks ago. Uh, I think it really says something about people starting to understand that those three players in particular have a really good chance getting into the Hall of Fame, maybe not in two years, maybe in three or four years, which I think is great. Scott Rowland, you know him pretty well, and I know your dad knew him really well, that uh, he felt like he was a Hall of Famer to me. So uh, Billy Wagner, I think his numbers speak for themselves. And, you know, I've I've got my fingers crossed for guys like that, that – that uh, they get overlooked sometimes when you're looking at the Jeters and the Larry Walkers of the world. Yeah, and you had Billy Wags on a couple of weeks ago on Astro Line and, yeah. and discussed his Hall of Fame. His Hall of Fame credentials are there. He's in his sixth year of 10 years of eligibility, and he's already trending way ahead of guys like Larry Walker and Edgar Martinez yeah. uh, who, are, who have already been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Those guys had to wait till their final year. I hope Billy doesn't have to wait till that tenth year because it could be stressful. Uh, but in two years, after next year, uh, you lose a Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens off the ballot. They either be inducted next year or they'll be done their eligibility all in their tenth year next year. What do you think is going to happen with those three? Well, I, I think eventually they'll probably go to the Veterans Committee, and I think they'll get in. Um, you know, there's plenty of players when, when you look at different clauses in things that are off the field that uh, it feels like they, that they got in uh, when you looked a little deeper. You don't have to look very deep to, to realize that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were two of the best players of all time. Uh, and we'll find out sooner or later uh, whether or not that they get in. But uh, it doesn't feel like that those two are in particular are going to get in uh, the, the normal way. I think it's going to be maybe years down the road. But uh, – uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing uh, those guys go out there and, and get in. I, I feel like, you know, th- those were two pitcher or two players that, that were playing at the same time that I was mm-hmm. that we just knew they were two of the best players of all time. Cred- you know, the credentials and, and the numbers don't lie. Uh, sometimes you feel like, you know, when can we draw that line on when we thought that they did it? But, man, I'd be hard-pressed not to think that there's already some players in, in the Hall of Fame that, uh, uh, that have already crossed that line. Yeah, if, if you could tell uh, with 100% certainty that you the can. Hall was pure, you can't. then those guys shouldn't be in it, but I don't think you can. And you're talking about the guy with the most Cy Youngs in history and the guy with the most home runs in history, mm-hmm. and they're linked forever in history now because they're, they're probably going to be either voted in together or, voted, uh, by, or, or extended into the Veterans Committee if they're not voted in. Uh, next year. Some other news that happened this week, more centric to the Astros, was Michael Brantley officially signing mm-hmm. after it looked like for a few hours that he was going to be a Blue Jay on that right. one day, the Georgian side. A two-year deal, which I think fits perfectly into what the Astros are trying to do going forward. Uh, I think a left-handed hitter, uh, somebody who is a perfect example for everybody else to kind of follow. I think he rubs off uh, in his professionalism in, in just his production. I mean, I thought you know, I was so elated when the, when the Astros got Michael Brantley back that I think he fits perfectly, and I still think that their offense is top two or three, if not the best in the American League still. He's exciting to watch because you know he's going to give you a quality of bat every time, and you can't every say that time. about everybody. He's never off balance. He's <laughs> going to hit the ball hard. He's going to pop one. He hits good pitching. The, everything that you're looking for in a two-year uh, acquisition, I think he fits this, uh, this roster perfectly. 
So we've got uh, guests tonight in pre-recorded interviews, Ryan Stanek and also Jason Castro. We have both Taryn and Kayla here, shooting stars, and they're going to be around handing out different items from the Houston Astros as well. You can catch them around here at Pluckers. We're at Pluckers Bar live on 1400 Shepherd Drive. This is Astro Line presented by Carbach Brewing. want to remind you that the 2021 season is fast approaching and the excitement is building. Make sure you have a seat in the game with a 28-game plan. Whether you want to see every series or be here every weekend, we have the perfect plan for you. Visit astros.com slash ticket plans or call 1-877-9-ASTROS to learn more. Back with more, Todd Callis and Steve Sparks on a Thursday night with Astro Line right after this. Baseball season, it comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! Discover the Palm Beaches. Experience legendary hospitality in Florida's golf capital with special rates at the area's best resorts. Miles of uncrowded beaches stretch from Jupiter to Boca Raton. Small cities and beach towns are waiting for you to explore. More than 160 sun-soaked golf courses are inviting you to play. Start planning your next trip at thepalmbeaches.com. Welcome back to Astro Line, presented by Carbach Brewing. We are live at Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd Drive, right here in downtown Houston. Glad you could join us either live or across our airwaves. Todd Callis alongside Steve Sparks. We're going to be here all month long, leading right up until mid-February when we shift this show down to West Palm Beach for spring training. Not sure what to expect from 2021. How about flexibility. The February Flex Plan is a voucher-based plan that allows you to select what games you want to attend right up until the first pitch. Just bring three friends or come alone. The choice is yours. Visit astros.com slash ticket plans to learn more. Sparky, we've got another new player that we're going to hear from in just a little while. He's about to turn 30 years old this summer. He's a reliever. Started his career at Tampa Bay in the last year and a half with the Miami Marlins. Ryan Stanek, what are your thoughts about the Astros adding him to the pen. Well, you just said it. He's about to turn 30 years old, and I still don't think he's reached his potential. I mean, you're talking about somebody who throws close to 100 miles per hour with regularity, and it's somebody who James Click is thinking is going to get some big outs. So I think the Astros have big plans as far as the information they want to give him to almost untap a lot of the stuff they feel like he can blossom into. And I think that's exciting. You know, he's never really had that great of a breaking ball. He's had that little split-fingered fastball to go along with that big fastball. But maybe using that fastball in a different fashion, we know the Astros like to rise it uh, and learn maybe a, a little slider, a little cutter to go along with it. I'm excited about Ryan Stanek. Ryan Stanek, a former number one first-round draft pick by the Tampa Bay Rays out of Arkansas, now joins the Houston Astros. We had a chance to catch up with him. We asked him, after having been traded from Tampa Bay to the Miami Marlins during the 2019 season, this was the first time he had a chance to choose his team and be a free agent. We asked him how he landed on the Houston Astros. It was a lot. It was a lot more stressful than I thought. Being a free agent was, uh, I don't know, the, the ability to choose where you go play is not something that, Obviously, most people like are used to right off the bat. I mean, my first time being a free agent, so it was it was kind of a, a stressful decision because obviously picking a new place to live and a new team, and I mean, 
choosing a division and a team that fits like what what you you want to do and the way you play and everything it's it ended up being a lot more more in-depth than I had initially thought it would be the guys in in Houston made me really feel welcome and the pitching guys are obviously really really good and they know their stuff and at the forefront of analytics and the city of Houston is, is awesome. How much was James Click being the general manager at Influence and when it came down to it how many teams were seriously in the mix for you? Honestly James was a was a big factor because obviously there's a there's a, a comfort factor there knowing like just having a relationship with somebody that that you're going to be working for with however you want to want to characterize it is is obviously a plus like just some familiarity but yeah I mean there was probably over the course of the whole time, there's probably 12 to 15 teams that had called and probably like, I don't know, probably six or seven that were like really in the mix, I guess. And then we kind of narrowed it down to three or four at the very end and then made a decision. When James Click was was talking about you after, after you signed, one of the things that stood out for me was that he, he keeps talking about there's big outs out in our bullpen and Ryan Stanek fits right into who we see as somebody who can get some big outs. Talk to that confidence that, that, that Clint gives you in, in coming into this bullpen. I love it. I love that. I love that he has confidence in me because that's, that's the same confidence that I, I have in myself. And mm. like, those are the outs that, that I want to be, be in there to get. And I want to be able to be a big part of this and, and, and go out there and win ball games. Like, obviously that's, I feel like it's kind of cliche, but like, that's, that's what I want. That's what kind of drives me as a, as a competitor is to, to be in those situations. So I, it, it makes me feel really good that he that he feels the same way that I feel and that he he thinks that that's that's where I'll be. What was the the three batter minimum like for you last year? That was new. It seemed like a lot of pitchers who were more specialist uh, struggled with that. But you being such a hard thrower, you got the split fingered fastball maybe to neutralize the lefties. How was it for you? Honestly, I, I over the course of my career, like I'd never been like a one out, two out sure. guy. Like and and being like you said, being kind of platoon neutral, it it. It really didn't affect me a whole lot, which yeah. and obviously probably like that I feel like makes me a little bit more more usable, versatile, valuable, I guess, whatever you wanna wanna put it. It's it's something that, that I, I've done well over the course of, of, of my time. New Astro Ryan Stanek is our guest on Astro Line. What a year it was in two thousand twenty for the Miami Marlins. Uh, of all the teams impacted by COVID nineteen, no team was more impacted than the Marlins and you somehow overcame that and made a run into the postseason and got by the first round. When you look back on 2020, that had to be one of the more remarkable team seasons you've been a part of. Yeah, uh, one of the wildest that I've ever, ever witnessed. And hopefully it was a it was a fun season and it was it was cool to make the playoffs. And it was it was a it was a, a big, big team accomplishment that we had with Miami last year. But it's definitely one that I hope we don't have to repeat anytime soon. That was the longest 60 games I feel like anybody's ever been a part of with all the protocols and everything. It's It'll be nice when everything starts to, whenever that may be, calm down and get back to like a true normal. And there is a point there too where you guys advance in the playoffs. All your boys from the Tampa Bay Rays are advancing and they end up winning the AL championship, obviously. It had to, ha there had to be mixed emotions. You're excited. Uh, as well as you did in the season. And then you see all your guys have all that success. And you're like, wait, I could have been there. How was it for you going through that 2020 postseason? Yeah, it was, a, it was a little bittersweet, obviously. But, like, I have so many good friends on that team and, and the organization that, like, I was just I was just happy for them. It's a good group of guys there, and they, they earned it. That, that group has been through a lot, and, and 
worked really hard and came up together. And most, like a lot, I, I would say most or a lot of those guys have played together since like double A, high A. Like there's there's a lot of those guys that have spent a lot of time together over the years. So to see see everything like come together for them was was pretty cool. How hard was it to, to get traded that first time? You'd come up, you'd gotten drafted uh, a first rounder with the Rays in 13. You're with them for such a long time. How hard was that? Did it, did it hurt your feelings? Was it a sad moment <laughs> when you left? It was, yeah, it was because it was something that like I had been through so much with the organization. Obviously, they drafted me and obviously, like like I said, I had so many friends there that like just to, to leave and get traded in the midst of a uh, a playoff run was tough. Like I never had to like go to a team. So I, I, I didn't really know how that whole thing works. So there was a lot of like anxiety and like stress, like you have to adjust and meet a bunch of new people. And it just, it just was a lot. And it was definitely a lot harder than I had initially expected to be traded because yeah. most people just see us as ball players and we're just pieces to be moved around. But like everybody's got families and, and people they care about and friends and houses and animals and stuff like that that you're like well we have two days to get to the new to the new team and you're like i have to make all these plans mm. so fast it's it's a lot to go through which like i didn't realize which i i guess i should have being being in the league for for a while and seeing it so much but like when you live it yourself it's it's a lot more complicated than you initially expect and as a free agent this time you said one of the things that you were looking for in a team once they got serious was the analytics and everybody knows that the Astros are near the top of the list for, for all the analytics. Uh, you just feel comfortable with that? It's, it's what I came up in. Like Tampa obviously is another, another organization that's very much in the forefront of that realm. So it's, it's definitely a comfort factor, obviously with, with James there, that that's something that that's obviously been a focus and it will continue to be a focus and just trying to maximize your ability and maximize what you do well is is something that like I obviously think is super valuable and super important to becoming a better player and constantly adapting and evolving and, and making yourself better. So that's a big factor into it, yeah. You were a guy who was uh, getting big out to the back end of the bullpen for Tampa Bay, and then you transitioned kind of as the game has evolved with the opener, and you become famous for being the opener where they had – actually had a bottle opener giveaway for you in Tampa Bay. Um, I want to know, A, do you still have any of those bottle openers? And B, how do you go through a day knowing that from the first pitch until about half an hour after a game, your day is going to be done? Like, how do you trans – no player goes into a game thinking – seven o'clock first pitch i'm going to be finished by 7 30 the latest yeah i actually have a lot of them they may they get they gave me a big old box of them and like because all my family wanted one so i <laughs> when my parents actually were in town for it which was kind of funny and i just sent the whole box with them i think I, there's a couple at the house maybe but it was actually like initially it was so weird and i didn't know what to do with my time so like I would throw and like go in and do my arm care and then I would be like kind of wander back out to the dugout and like feel awkward sitting in the dugout because I'm a reliever and I was like just in the dugout from inning three to nine so I felt like I was just like blocking people who were actually <laughs> still working it just got to be like something that we did so much that it, it just became normal so it, it was a weird feeling being in the dugout for so long you always felt like you were in somebody's way because you were already 
completely done and no chance that you could go back into the game. So it was, it was, it was pretty cool though. <laughs> the Sparky's often talked about how the bond you have with your bullpen mates. Was it, was it almost like you were the trader in that bullpen when you became this, the opener? <laughs> Not so much a trader, but I felt like I way more friendly with position players than I ever had been. I was, I was way more social because I would talk to the bullpen guys like on the, on, on days that I was down there. And then like, I'd hang out with, all the position players for six innings like it definitely was something that was a little weird and I got to got to hang out and spend a lot more time with all the rest of the guys than just just the bullpen guys hey Ryan you've, you've always had a lot of expectations because you you've been a hard thrower and it kind of started your your first game your senior year in high school you remember this pretty well right yeah I do uh you touched a, a certain number and, and a lot of people started I and mean, there was a buzz around your name when you hit 96 that game, where did that come from? And uh, what were you thinking at the time that you had to get really excited? Honestly, I didn't even know. I didn't even find out until uh, like like maybe 35, 45 minutes after the game. And the guy that I worked with, like pitching wise, had called me and was like, hey, do you know what you what you were throwing today? And I was like, dude, I have no idea. It was like 30 degrees and windy. And really? it, was, it was just a miserable weather day in Kansas, like spring baseball. It was always like so cold the first couple of weeks. And he was like, yeah, you're throwing, you're, you're throwing like 96 today. And I was like, uh, Oh, okay. And so like, and I, I was a guy that was probably supposed to get drafted at some point in high school. And then that really kind of changed up everything a lot, actually a lot, <laughs> which was stressful too. And pretty enticing. The Mariners offered you $800,000 and you turned it down because you wanted to go to the College World Series. You wanted to go to Arkansas. But Jordan Shipers, yep. he, he benefited more than anybody. Tell everybody about Jordan Shipers. I mean, we had played together, or not played together, but played against each other for a while and he basically signed for I think it was like exactly what I was offered um from Seattle so he was a 13th rounder and and almost got a million bucks because you left all that money on the table right yeah it was that was a wild time the draft is is a trip it's it's definitely something that seems a lot more fun than it actually is when you're going through it I feel like (laughs) (laughs) um coming full circle now here to Houston you kind of follow in a former Arkansas Razorbacks footsteps Dallas Keuchel who pitched here for many years and had great success uh but you still live in Tampa and there's a few guys with Tampa connections that are currently on the Astros do you have any people that you know uh on this current Astros team very well I I know Bregman a little bit like we we played against each other in college and uh obviously in the big leagues and into the futures game together like I actually live down the street from Kyle Tucker so that's that's pretty cool I've known him for a few years he actually kind of gave me the inside scoop on on the organization so that made Made the decision a, a little bit uh, a little bit easier. I feel like his brother. I play. I, I work out with Preston. But yeah, like I actually have been in contact with Lance a little bit, talking like welcoming me to the team. Like seems seems like a great dude. And when you play video games with Kyle, I think I saw in an article your gamer handle is still OPigSui5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you know before you went to Arkansas that you wanted to go to Arkansas? Because it said you had this tag at age 16 yeah that was actually when i committed i literally i didn't get x5 basically until i had already committed to go to college and me being 16 and stupid i didn't realize that i'd never i'd never like really been there a whole lot so like i thought it was oh pig so it was a call it was (laughs) which as soon as i got there i realized i was an idiot (laughs) <laughs> and I think it was like 20 bucks to change my tag. And there's no point changing it now. I've, I've had it for like 
13 years. There's no reason to change the tag now. <laughs> That's so funny. All right, Brent Strom, he's your pitching coach. I don't know if you've spoken to him yet, but I, I would imagine as a recruiting tool for any pitcher coming over to the organization, you say Brent Strom, you, you, you perk your ears up and you listen a little bit, don't you? Oh, for sure. For sure. His, his reputation across, across the league is, is impeccable. And the knowledge he brings to the table is, is top notch. So it's, it's, it's definitely a big, big perk to have the ability to work with someone like him. We always hear about pitchers coming over to the, the Astros and, and there's been a lot of success stories. One of your former teammates, Charlie Morton was one of them, but uh, they, they go through a little meeting you know, with some of the people in the analytics department, have they spoken to you yet? Yeah, yeah, I talked to them a little bit. I think I think we'll get more in depth as as we or when we get into camp. Sure. They broke down some things that that they would like to see and that that uh, that I should, that they think I should focus on, like in my bullpen work and stuff like that. So it's definitely it's definitely a an ad- advantage to have have all the information behind you and have someone like like Strom to like kind of guide you in the right direction. You mentioned the transition going from Tampa Bay to Miami and not only all the guys you grew up with in the minor leagues, but your pitching coach Kyle Snyder so influential for you. Um, when you look back at your last couple of years with the Marlins, you got traded off of the injured list. You mentioned that you had a hip issue. Then you had the, the little back issue last year and that had to be tough not knowing when the season was going to start. H- how do you describe uh, your last couple of years with the Marlins and maybe your walk numbers weren't where you wanted. What was the difference between where you were in Tampa Bay when you were like 2.5, three strikeouts per walks and what happened in Miami? I think a lot of it honestly was just, just getting back to feeling like myself, like obviously being banged up a little bit, like it kind of, it kind of shifted some things delivery wise and trying to like get back on, on course with where I was, I was trying to be physically kind of took a bit longer than I, than I had expected. And like, as I kind of went on the back, the back issue kind of popped up and it was just just like it just kind of seemed like one thing after another like a, like over like a short period of time where I was just like kind of fighting an uphill battle and I finally like got to a point at, at last year before I, I went down with with COVID that I finally started to feel <laughs> like myself again and then I missed five or six weeks with with COVID and then I was like all right now I have to like go sit in a in a room by myself for for like three weeks and then you have to build back up in a couple weeks to get back into playing and it just yeah it just it just seemed like one thing after another kind of popped up and popped up and popped up and as soon as I started to feel right that would happen and then I finally really felt like myself again in the playoffs like I finally started to like kind of click on all cylinders again um the last couple games of the season and then we, we finished the year in Houston against the Braves and I threw a couple times there and I like that was like the first time I was like all right that's that's what I'm supposed to be throwing like it felt it just felt physically right again and you'll get the chance to be back on this mound at Minute Maid Park where you got to play in college right yeah yeah I've I've, I've had a I've had a, a, a fair bit of uh, opportunity to pitch on and Minute Maid over the course of my time I, I played there in college and 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 the playoffs and obviously in season and stuff so that's definitely a, a mound that I've, uh, I've grown pretty fond of <laughs> over the years. Ryan, last thing from me, uh, mentally, where are you right now? Not knowing exactly when you guys might start again, but are you going after it pretty hard or, or are you just taking it easy? Yeah, I feel like it's kind of a fine line at this point because yeah. the uncertainty, but realistically, I have to prepare like nothing's going to change. Like, and, it, and it's, 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 it's unfortunate that, that, that's the case because it's like, yeah, obviously knowing exactly what's going on would be, would be a plus, but I mean, I'm expecting to be 
in camp on yeah 17th 18th and i'm going to prepare like that's the case and if we get word that that's going to be pushed back or whatever it may be the case it's like yeah i might slow down the bullpens i might throw maybe one a week just to stay sharp less intensity yeah just to make sure i'm where i want to be and keep on track ryan thanks for the time can't wait to see you in an astros uniform and uh we'll see you soon of course thanks for having me guys appreciate it Thanks to Ryan Stanek, who will be with the Houston Astros in spring training down at West Palm Beach in just a couple of weeks. Thanks to everybody who showed up tonight at Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd Drive. Don't forget Taryn and Kayla are here shooting stars to help you out with some Astros merchandise. We'll continue with more Astro Line presented by Carbach Brewing. We will hear from the former and now current Houston Astro catcher, Jason Castro, as we roll on from Pluckers right after this. Baseball season, it comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! Discover the Palm Beaches. Experience legendary hospitality in Florida's golf capital with special rates at the area's best resorts. Miles of uncrowded beaches stretch from Jupiter to Boca Raton. Small cities and beach towns are waiting for you to explore. More than 160 sun-soaked golf courses are inviting you to play. Start planning your next trip at thepalmbeaches.com. And welcome back, Astro fans. This is Steve Sparks, and I'm with Todd Callis, of course. And you're listening to Astro Line, and we've got a, a guest with us, uh, an old friend and a very welcome old friend, and it's Jason Castro, whom the Astros just signed to a two-year deal uh, last week. First of all, Jason, man, welcome back to Houston, Texas. Uh, we're thrilled to have you back. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm uh, you know, very excited to be back and um, you know, really looking forward to getting, getting going. You left after the 2016 season. You set up shop in Houston. You had bought a, a home here in Houston uh, when you were playing with the Astros, uh, and you decided to stay here in the off seasons. What was the big reason for that? Uh, I mean, part of it was the city. Uh, we we definitely loved our time here. Um, when I played here, um, we had kids here and and kind of set some roots down. So um, you know, we were looking at some options and and you know, at the end of it, we decided to stay and, and, uh, you know, we were glad we made that decision. It's kind of unusual how much things change. I guess it's natural, but four years can be a long time. A lot of new faces since you were last year, but Carl Schneider still runs the clubhouse. You have your old locker back. I don't know. We haven't talked about that. I actually talked to him uh, yesterday. Um, those sorts of details haven't been worked out yet, but you know, we'll, we'll see. I, you know, I went in uh, the other day and, and saw a lot of the, uh, you know, the same, clubhouse staff guys and and uh, it's good to see all those guys and a few of the same staff members around coaches and stuff and some some players that uh, are still still on the team from from my last time here but um you know looking forward to to seeing those guys again meeting all the new guys and and um you know kind of hitting the ground running in spring jason we're all looking for some information and it's still kind of ambiguous as to when exactly things are going to roll are you planning uh, as if you're going to be heading down to florida in a couple of weeks yeah, I think uh, from a player standpoint, you know, we are um, anticipating a normal start. Um, 
you know, we haven't uh, heard otherwise or, or been directed otherwise. So, um, you know, that's what I'm doing. That's what, what I'm telling people who ask, um, you know, get ready to, to prepare and to, to plan as a normal spring training should start. Jason, what do you do to, to stay ahead of the curve before you even get to spring training? I would imagine uh, you're getting to try to know some of these new pitchers. Do you talk to them personally? You just look at video, try to get some ideas from Brent Strom. Where does that lie? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff happens, especially like those in-person uh, talks. Um, that stuff happens when you get down to camp. I mean, um, video definitely helps. I mean, there's a there's plenty of it, you know, readily available um, online to, to see, you know, pitch movements and things like that. And um, you kind of really get a sense of how a guy likes to work, um, mm -hmm. where his mind's at when you talk to him in person, especially when you start catching like his live bullpens early on and just hearing, hearing the things that, um, are going through their mind, like in between innings of their outings. Um, I find that to be the most helpful, just kind of see how their brain works and, and what they're thinking on and what they kind of fall back to when they're out on the mound. What did you learn when you went to Minnesota? You were there for three years, you know, obviously coming from a, a, a team like the Astros who are bent so far toward the, the sabermetrics and the analytics. Was it a little different when you went to Minnesota? Um, initially, yes. Um, but the transition there, um, I mean, I think everybody's kind of caught up. Um, I mean, Houston was uh, right. one of the early adopters, obviously, of, of a lot of the advanced metrics and, and different ways of thinking about um, yeah. you know, game planning and those sorts of things. So um, we saw that transition when I was there. Um, pitching coach, especially my uh, my last couple of years, uh, pitch coach Wes Johnson and yeah. um now bullpen coach with the Mets, Jeremy Hefner. I mean, those guys did a tremendous job of kind of revolutionizing the way that they thought about pitching and the game planning. And, and uh, I mean, you definitely saw the strides that those pitchers made. Some of the young guys over there, um, Jose Barrios, one of them, um, Taylor Rogers, uh, you know, uh, closer left-handed yeah. pitcher. I mean, they had a lot of guys that made some huge strides in that in that time. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with just um, understanding what, you know, their best weapons were and how to utilize them most efficiently. And then you make the move from Minnesota to the Angels opening day catcher last year back in the AL West. So you saw some of these Astros pitchers. You talk about pitch movement and pitch shapes. Uh, you saw a lot of these uh, pitchers as a hitter. It had to be a tough uh, adjustment because a lot of these guys you were seeing for the first time, so many rookies on this Astros staff. How was it last year facing this group? One of the questions I asked early on when I signed here was, uh, you know, what I thought about um, some of the pitchers that we had seen from last year, just being such a young group of, of pitchers. And, and uh, one thing that stands out to me that I remember was, was just kind of the raw talent that was down there. I mean, didn't seem to matter who they brought out of the pen. There was just guys who had really good stuff. And um, I, I remember a, a few specific at-bats where I, I remember striking out one at-bat on three straight curveballs thinking like, what was that? Like, you know, <laughs> it's just really, really tough to see out of the hand, incredible movement. And, and uh, so it's, it's, it's nice to see, obviously there, there's a lot of talent down there. Um, just kind of getting those guys to figure out, you know, how to be consistent um, and, and making those, those next strides is, uh, is huge. Uh, getting a full spring training, obviously will be a nice benefit for you to learn. These guys was last year, the most difficult challenge having an in-season trade to the Padres. Yeah. Uh, first time I've been traded, um, having to kind of pick up and, and really hit the ground. I mean, just 
it, it was a unique experience. I mean, especially with the position that they were in, uh, you know, playoff position, they were fighting and, and trying to get in there and learn those guys as, as soon as possible. It was tough, but, you know, we made it work and, and it was um, uh, it was a good experience. And something I had never done and gone through before, but but getting over to that team and, and being a part of that uh, was, was pretty cool. I mean, it was, that was a, a fun group of guys, a lot of, a lot of energy, a lot of young guys, and it was a cool experience to be a part of, for sure. Talking with Jason Castro, the, the Astros catcher, and Jason, I remember in 2017, the first year that you were with the Minnesota Twins, you had just left the Astros. I remember a lot of the players were really excited to come see you in Minnesota. I think you guys went out to lunch. I remember just uh, there was a lot of pitchers, McHugh and McCullers and Keiko. A lot of, a lot of guys were really sorry that you were gone. You guys were really close. And I'm curious on this end of it. Was it tough in some way watching the success of that team in uh, of course, they went on to win the World Series that year, knowing that you could have been a part of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it uh, it's kind of how things go. I mean, there, there's yeah. uh, uh, kind of an ebb and a flow to, you know, the the path of organizations. And, you know, I just was at the, the part of it where, you know, I was at the beginning of the rebuild and kind of saw it through. I mean, we obviously had a great year in 2015 and surprised a lot of people. And so you could see the kind of upward trajectory of the organization. And obviously I, I was gone, you know, after the 2016 season, but knowing that, you know, I had kind of helped uh, some of those pitchers kind of get to where they needed to be for, for you know, that sustained success. Um, you know, that was cool to watch. And, you know, I was really proud of, you know, the strides that, uh, you know, Lance and Colin and Dallas made and continue to make and the next steps in their careers. And, you know, while I wasn't a part of the team, I definitely watched and, and yeah. uh, was happy for, you know, those guys that um, were able to, to put that run together. Hi, Jason. I just wanted to get a, a quick uh, update on your family. The last I knew you had a little boy, you had a little girl. Is that where you and Maris stand right now? Yeah, that's where we stand. Our son is, he'll be five in May and uh, our daughter uh, turned two a few months ago. So keeping us busy for sure. Um, our son starts Little League this year and, and wow. uh, he'll, be, he'll be on the Astros too. So he's, uh, he's pretty excited about that. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back with the Astros where you had the most service of your 10 years. Getting to 10 years of Major League Service is a huge deal. I, I know in the clubhouses it's celebrated, not as much publicly, uh, but for you getting to 10 years last year, uh, did that happen with the Angels, with the Padres? I know with Brantley, they made a, they had a nice little uh, deal for him in the Astros clubhouse last year. Where did it happen for you? Yeah, it happened with the Angels. Um, actually, kind of towards the uh, the end of my time with them. But yeah, they, they you know did a nice little uh, recognition of that benchmark and uh, you know kind of a special thing. And and you know I'll, it's definitely something I'll remember for for sure. And as we said, the majority of your time here, and now you're back with the Astros. Uh, when you look at the numbers, uh, the numbers that go on the scoreboard the last couple of years, and then the numbers, if you lift the hood, are completely different. Your hard hit rate, your barrel rate uh, off the charts compared to where you've been before. Do you yeah. feel like you're hitting the ball better uh, the last couple of years than maybe even your all-star year with the Astros? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, uh, the last few years, you know, like you said, some of the uh, analytic numbers when you kind of dive into it, um, you know, showed – a, a change and, and I've been, you know, really happy with the adjustments that I've made and, and uh, not necessarily the best luck. And, and it's been kind of frustrating to, to kind of have those uh, mismatch with the, the way those numbers played out. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's really all you can do and, and just trust in your process and, and know that you're doing the right things. And, you know, from a personal standpoint, I feel really good about it and, and uh, you know, everything, 
everything else can take care of itself. On the offensive side, Jason, you're 33 now and you made some adjustments and you saw that uptick in the exit velocity and all that. What did you do to, to get to that position? I think the biggest thing for me was, um, it actually wasn't really much of a swing thing. It was more of a balance and kind of pre-pitch setup in the way that I try to kind of hold tension in my body to read pitches a little bit easier and, and longer and give it just to give myself more time in the box and not have to, to cheat so much. Like you preset with things. Yeah. I mean, just the way I load and kind of store my weight, um, as I'm reading the pitch, uh, kind of allowed me to, to read pitches longer and not put myself physically in a position to where I wasn't even able to get like a solid swing off if it wasn't the pitch that I was looking for. Okay. So it was mostly for me a balance, a balance uh, issue. As a taller catcher, I know uh, from, from experience that, that a lot of times those catchers had a harder time with the lower pitch in the strike zone as far as framing it. But you become one of the best framers in baseball. How did you overcome your height? become a good framer on the low pitch yeah i think i think the biggest thing to kind of realize for me when i made that switch was at first kind of a uh, an approach change in the way i thought about catching pitches and then once i kind of made that switch in my head it was okay now i know how i want to attack the pitch now how do i best orient myself you know in the catcher's box behind the plate to to put me in the best position to catch the pitch how i'm thinking about how i want to catch it so um, you know, a lot of kind of drilling went into that and, and some tinkering about how best to, you know, get under the ball and, and kind of, you know, allowed myself to work freely uh, to, to, to catch pitches and, and, and do it over the course of the season. Obviously, you can get in positions that, that help you catch, but, you know, take a toll on your body. So every pitcher is different. So the movement exactly, is tough. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, lefties, righties, you, you kind of have to to play around with catching and, and positioning yourself in different ways, knowing how guys pitch. You know, a lot of guys aren't pitching down in the zone anymore. And, and yeah. uh, so you take that into account based on kind of how how that stacks up. So it, there's a lot of variables that go into it. But, um, uh, you know, you can drill those and practice those once you kind of have an understanding of, of what you want to do. Final thing from me, Jason, uh, Martin Maldonado uh, is going to be a guy that you work with in tandem. He had some big swings for the Astros last year, but he's such a defensive savant. Are you looking forward to picking his brain and work? You guys have both been around for a little while, picking his brain and working together with him. Yeah, I've talked to him a little bit already and, and uh, you know, definitely excited to to get going with him and, and just hearing how he thinks. I mean, he's been around the league for a long time and he's been on some, you know, some good teams around and, and uh, just another guy that's got that experience and, and experiences that you can lean on and, and uh, you know, go back and forth about, you know, things that work for him, the, the way that he thinks about things, you know, uh, game calling and those sorts of things are, are going to be huge. Well, Jason, we're super excited to have you back. I know the Astros pitchers are in really good hands with that tandem. So uh, welcome back. Tell your parents hello, man. We miss them. Have, have a nice next uh, month or so before spring training rolls around. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Jason Castro back with the Houston Astros in 2021 was an all-star with the Astros back in 2013. He's been around Houston so long. He was actually with the Astros back when they were a national league team. So we'll look forward to having Jason back in an Astros uniform this year in 2021. You can get ready for that season by checking out the Astros team store in union station. Stop by Monday through Saturday for the latest Astros merchandise or call in an order for stadium side pickup. Visit Astros.com slash team store for more information. When we come back here to Pluckers at 1400 Shepherd Drive, Todd Cowell, Steve Sparks, we'll talk a little bit about the Houston Winter Invitational. 
a college tournament, and that will be taking place in Minute Maid Park over the weekend. That and more as we roll on and wrap things up on Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing. Baseball season, it comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park, or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! Discover the Palm Beaches. Experience legendary hospitality in Florida's golf capital with special rates at the area's best resorts. Miles of uncrowded beaches stretch from Jupiter to Boca Raton. Small cities and beach towns are waiting for you to explore. More than 160 sun-soaked golf courses are inviting you to play. Start planning your next trip at thepalmbeaches.com. Welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing. We are here for our final segment of our one-hour show. Todd Callis along with Steve Sparks and also Matt Boltz alongside, helping us out. Richard Tapia, thanks for being here as always. Taryn and Kayla, shooting stars, helping out as well here at Pluckers on 1400 Shepherd Drive. And uh, Sparky, as we round out this final this show in our final segment, uh, some baseball happening at Minute Maid Park this weekend. Right. The Houston Winter Invitational is going on this weekend for three days at Minute Maid Park. College baseball tournament, get a chance to get in the building for the first time in, in what, a year and a half. So I, I, I'm going to try to get out there. I want to see some baseball and just being able to get into Minute Maid Park and hear that glove smack and uh, see some balls go into those Landry Crawford boxes. Sounds very appealing. It'll be six Division II universities squaring off in nine games over those three days beginning tomorrow. Uh, Friday, the 29th, wrapping up Sunday, the 31st. University Central Missouri, where yep. Jim Crane was a star pitcher and now in a Hall of Fame, is going to be the host once again in this Winter College Invitational. And there'll be some teams from Arkansas, some teams from Texas, and, of course, the University of Central Missouri. Yeah, Lubbock Christian, Texas A&M, Kingsville, some schools that uh, are going to put out some good products. And there's been plenty of players that we've seen in the last few years in the major leagues that have come out of the, that tournament and also the Minute Maid Classic tournament as well, where they've uh, gotten a chance to play it at a major league stadium uh, before they even got into pro ball. So it's cool for those players, but it's just a lot of fun going out there and watching a live event uh, baseball again at Minute Maid Park. I think it's something that a lot of fans will enjoy. Yeah, and one of those guys that you mentioned, uh, Ryan Stanek, who pitched there with Arkansas there you go. Uh, in the co at the collegiate level when he was at Minute Maid Park, and then ironically enough, pitched in the playoffs, as he told us, against the Atlanta Braves last year at Minute Maid Park. Now he gets to call it his home stadium. So that'll be this weekend, January 29th through 31st. Limited number of socially distant fans will be uh, allowed in at the stadium. All fans will be subject to a health screening that may include temperature checks upon arrival so stay tuned for that so today's show we had we heard from a couple of new players although one was a familiar face that now mm -hmm. returns ryan stanick and jason castro they could be a big part of the plans in 21 those two michael brantley i think james click has done a great job rounding out the roster he says probably a little less aggressive going forward but i would still I, i'd love to see the team go out there and get another pitcher or two just because of what we went through last season and not playing a full season, I just think that you got, you're going to have to tiptoe and be a little careful this season as far as how far you stretch some of your pitching. I'd like to see them get maybe another starter or even uh, another reliever, and I think they're all set. 
And we are approaching the month of February. We mentioned that at the top. Monday will be February 1st, so that means shortly thereafter yeah. we'll have guys reporting for spring training. It's not that far off. If all goes as planned, we're less than three weeks away from seeing guys show up at West Palm Beach. Yeah, I can't wait. You know, I think the, a lot of people are going to sleep on this Houston Astros team right now. I think they're going to be a team to reckon with, and I certainly think that they're the favorites in their division again. And we mentioned the Houston Winter Invitational. The fact that they're allowing fans in for this event bodes well. We don't know anything yes. definitive. It bodes well that fans could be allowed in limited numbers for opening day. That's a great point. I think there's a lot to look forward to coming up, and I think it, as the summer goes along and uh, as long as everybody stays diligent, I think it's only going to get better as the season progresses. Let's hope so. The Houston Astros will hopefully be down in West Palm Beach in less than three weeks, and then that will be pitchers and catchers reporting. The first game will be at the end of February, and you and Robert could be busy this spring if all goes well. And that uh, It'll be nice to get back to some semblance of normalcy. I know we're not going to be completely back to normal, but it, it's trending in the right direction. It is, you know, and I, I think everybody now that – you know, you've gone through what you went through last year, and you don't have so many unknowns. So they've seen worst-case scenario. So a lot of these players know what it's going to be like protocols and everything else to get through a season. They've proven that they can do things the right way and get through the season healthy. Uh, so I think it's only just going to get better, you know, and I think there's a lot to look forward to as a Houston Astros fan. And I, I think this summer is going to have a lot of fun surprises. Sparky, always great working with you. Thanks, you too, buddy. Todd. Yep, you got it, man. That is Steve Sparks. I am Todd Callis. Thanks for joining us here at Pluckers on 1400 Shepherd Drive for another edition of Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing. For everybody involved with the show, don't forget next week, it'll be Robert Ford and Jeff Blum. They'll be talking about some of the Houston Astros minor league top prospects that will be rolling in maybe as early as 2021, certainly in the near future. That'll do it from Pluckers. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you down the road. Baseball season, it comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park, or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.